Welcome to On Point with Rachel Turgeman. I'm so glad you can join us tonight. My friends, superlative healthcare should be everybody's priority throughout the world. Now more than ever, during these unprecedented times, as we are faced with the horrible wrath of COVID-19, we must rely on a healthcare system that delivers excellence every single day. Ladies and gentlemen, I am referring to Jackson Health System. Joining us tonight is Ms. Flavia Yiso, who is the Executive Vice President and Chief Development Officer for Jackson Health Foundation. She is unbelievably amazing. She is actually an amazing graduate from Barry University with a degree in liberal arts and also a specialty in psychology. She is a seasoned fundraiser with over 20 years of experience in philanthropy, relationship management, cause-related marketing. She is unbelievably fantastic. To top that off, her and her team at Jackson Health Foundation has raised close to $4 million right in the midst of this horrible pandemic. And also throughout her entire career, she has raised more than $175 million for charities all over Miami-Dade County. Flavia, welcome. Welcome to On Point with Rachel Turgeman. How are you today? Good. Thank you, Rachel, so much for that beautiful introduction. I appreciate it. Oh, it's my God. You deserve it. Glad to be here. You deserve it. And I want to thank you for all of your accomplishments. I know that fundraising is not easy. You have a fantastic team working on it with you. Uh, I, I have done fundraising. It's, it's tough. It's really tough. And I'm sure that all the viewers out there can relate that fundraising is not easy. Now, I want to just give out a huge shout out to your president and CEO, Galo Migoya. I know that he's amazing. He was a banker. He was also the city of Miami manager for many years, truly an altruistic person. Also, big shout out to our friend of our family, my friend, my brother, Eli, Eli Turgerman, the mayor, former mayor of Miami-Dade County, Michelle Glickman, who is your vice president for human resources. A big shout out to you, Michelle. We love you. And of course, your COO. Uh, Ms. Charmaine, Charmaine Gatlin. Charmaine, we love you too. We're going to have you on the show as well. All your colleagues, who else? Oh, Yolanda, Yolanda Tappen as well, and the rest of your team. So talk to us a little bit about how do you feel, Flavia, to be able to raise money for one of the most outstanding healthcare systems in the world? Talk to us. Sure. I mean, it's a wonderful opportunity to make a lasting impact in our community um, for one of the bedrock institutions in Miami-Dade County. You know, since I took this position in, in, in November of 2019, everyone that I talked to has a Jackson story to share, right? Mm -hmm. Whether you've, um, or a family member has been treated at Ryder Trauma Center, which is such an important uh, facility for us in this community, whether you've used the Transplant Center, whether you've been at JMH as everyone, likes to call Jackson Memorial Hospital. Really, it has touched every single person in this community. So to be able to have the ability to be, have my name be attached to that organization and to help the foundation have the ability to continue to provide world-class kind of fundraising opportunities to meet the world-class medical team of Jackson is phenomenal. 
It's so true. And you mentioned that everybody has a story. I know that you were talking before the show to my fiance, Dr. Alan Silver from Puerto Rico. He's a doctor there. And, you know, he I met him that way. He was at Jackson Health System uh, trying to get an operation for his back. And ever since then, we stayed together. But really, there's so many, so many stories. I know that your president and CEO, Carlos Migoya, also had a very bad accident in a bicycle and he was treated there. So the stories are endless. Everybody from all over the world goes to Jackson. You say no, just, just you know, you don't say no to anybody, even if they can't pay you. you right. Still pay them. And, and that's truly remarkable. Talk to us a little bit about the, the update, perhaps, on the current funding, on the current situation with Jackson, and how has the staff been dealing with this pandemic? I know that's very, very important now. We're living in it, we're immersed in it, and this atrocious uh, COVID-19 is upon us. How does Jackson deal with it, especially your staff? Well, I think I heard today that it's been a little over, maybe close to 130 days that the staff at Jackson has been, you know, dealing with the COVID-19 virus and this pandemic since early to mid-March, right, when we started to see our first patients there. So as you can imagine, it's, it's been a challenge. Um, back in March, when everything first kind of shut down, if you will, for lack of a better word, at that height, we had about 168 COVID-positive patients admitted within three hospitals within our healthcare system. Well, as of this morning, we have 465. Our numbers have been as, as high as 485. Um, close to 500 if you want to count those individuals that are waiting for um, test results. So definitely we've seen a huge increase, particularly in the months of June and July. Um, with that, staff has been stressed, as you can imagine as well. They are working long shifts. They are, you know, they, they the most common thing that I hear is how do we keep up? As soon as we discharge someone, there's someone there waiting, right? It's almost a revolving door. And I think that Carlos, as you mentioned, has been very good about communicating with the community that we have enough beds, we have the right amount of staff, but we really need the community to help us control positivity rate and keep it down because we can't sustain this effort forever, right? The hospital can't operate at this capacity for many, many months. So we need to be able to contain the level of infection in the community so that less people are reaching out to the hospitals for admission and allow the hospital the opportunity to be able to sustain itself. We've had to cancel elective procedures. Um, we've had to, we've done that twice now, which is very important for two reasons. Number one, there's individuals out there that might have a minor condition right now and it's an elective procedure, but three months from now, that could be an emergency, right? right? And also because financially, that's where hospitals make the bulk of their money. So if you are cutting off your revenue stream, then that means that financially, you put yourself in a predicament, but you need to do that, right? For the health of the community and for the greater good and where Jackson is gonna do everything that it needs to do to ensure that there's enough bed capacity, enough medical supplies, enough equipment, enough staff to take care of everyone in this community. So you, you balance that every single day. So it's, it's certainly a challenge and, Very you know, so. yeah, it's, it's a definite challenge, but that's what Jackson is here for. It started over a hundred years ago during the Spanish flu and dealt with that pandemic. And we've dealt with Zika and Ebola and we're prepared to do that. And we have the expertise to do it. It's just a matter of the sustainability and how long will this go on for that? No one really knows and can answer that. 
You know, but I, when I hear you speak and I hear the rest of your team speak, and of course your president and other members that are working at Jackson Health System and Jackson Health Foundation, you guys have such a positive demeanor. You know, we do understand that your nurses and your doctors are exhausted, you know, but we hear your president, Carlos Migoy, go on constantly on television and on the radio, you know, asking people to, you know, to wear masks and, and everything else. How do you feel about that? Because there's, there's a different controversy that some people say, oh, don't wear masks. You know, some people say, yes, wear your mask. You, from a healthcare setting, how do you feel about mask wearing? It's so important to us. Like, like I said, bringing down positivity rate in the community, it's what's gonna allow the hospitals to continue to treat everyone. You don't ever wanna get to the point where you're overriding the hospital system, where there aren't enough beds, right? So wearing your mask, social distancing, washing your hands, the things you've been hearing for months, they work. We've you seen have to it medical community, right? We see it within our own. There's over 13,000 full-time staff at Jackson. So we ask everyone to do those same things to maintain the level of infection down. And it's even if you're working with a patient that has COVID or if you're not, if I'm an individual and I work there and I walk into the facility, I have to wear a mask. Um, we are not allowing any visitors, which is very, very difficult for people. As you can imagine, if you have a relative that's in the hospital that's sick, whether it's a COVID patient or a non-COVID patient, not being able to have your family there to support you is difficult. And we had to make that decision in order to protect our patients and our employees. So we know that those things work. And we just really ask everyone in the community to adhere to those. So you have spoken. We have to do it. That's the bottom line. <laughs> We have to do it. We so, I certainly hope so. We will. We will, because we want this virus to go away very, very quickly. So in working in the pand in a hospital pandemic setting, talk to us like on a daily basis. I mean, how does it feel? You, some people work out of their houses. Some people work in the hospital. How does it feel to work in a hospital setting during the pandemic? It's quite hectic, as I'm sure you can imagine. Yes. No, um, I can't imagine. I can't. It, it's quite hectic. There are moving parts at all times, whether you are a frontline staff or you're part of the administrative staff, you're really working on this 24 seven. Um, I can tell you that we start our days at seven o'clock in the morning. We have, you know, the executive teams have a COVID call and we run through every hospital telling us about patients admitted discharges, you know, how's the pharmacy, how is supplies, what are any issues that we have and every really thing, try to resolve it and tackle those issues throughout the day. And then all of the departments really go through their huddles and figure out how can we provide the highest level of care to all of our patients? Because remember, we still have patients that are showing up for strokes, heart disease, right. cancer, all different kinds of ailments. So being I mean, able to- The ailments haven't gone away, they're still there. Not gone away. So taking care of all of those patients on top of taking care of our COVID patients um, is significant. So the staff, as you can imagine, is overwhelmed. We were fortunate enough to get the assistance from the state of Florida to get in some temporary nurses. We have about 100 temporary nurses that were brought in, 50 respiratory therapists and additional support staff. And that's gonna allow some of our permanent staff to take a little bit of a break, right? Yeah, very much well-deserved break. You mentioned respiratory therapists. Do you think there's going to be a much of a higher demand for this field in the very near future and even now? 
I mean, there is right now, certainly because of this virus attacking the respiratory system. Um, over the long haul, who knows how long this is going to be here for, but it's definitely something that's always in demand. But you have to remember that we're competing right now with almost the rest of the country, right? Everyone is doing the same thing that's having a surge. They're trying to bring in as many people as they can. And these nurses and staff that have come in just recently, most of them aren't even from Florida. They've been supporting others with COVID and now they've come down here to South Florida to help us out temporarily. Yes, and I heard that about 42% of all the COVID uh, infections are in Dade, right here, Broward and Monroe. So we're getting the brunt of it. But we are right now, we have been a little bit, we're being labeled the epicenter, the new epicenter. No. I, I, we're, I know, was praying that that wouldn't happen, Flavia. I was praying. No, no. Now we need to overcome this. We're cautiously optimistic. Over the last week, maybe seven to 10 days, the numbers seem to be leveling off. So whether that means that we're at a peak, right? Um, we don't know yet. We're hopeful that that's what that means. We've certainly seen our numbers at the hospital within the last 10 days start to stabilize. come down a little bit even our numbers in ICU, we hope that that continues, but we're certainly prepared for if it doesn't continue. We know that you are, of course, your Jackson Health system, of course you're prepared. <laughs> okay, so we know again, as I mentioned, that we have our president and CEO, Carlos Magoya and his staff, and you guys with the, with the Health Foundation, but who also runs, who also runs Jackson Health system besides uh, Carlos and the, the team? So because Jackson is a public health entity, it is overseen by a volunteer board assigned by Miami-Dade County, which is known as the Public Health Trust. And this is a volunteer board that's appointed and they really do have governance over um, Jackson Health System. We get a portion of our revenue from the sales tax. So we have a responsibility to the taxpayers to be able to respond for those dollars that are being used to be able to maintain Jackson Health System. And ultimately the mayor himself oversees um, the health system. So the commissioners, Flavia, so that all of viewers can understand, the commissioners are the ones that appoint these civic leaders? To yes, oversee, like the board? civic leaders are appointed and it's a separate board, but it's almost like if you would a sub board or a subcommittee for people to understand of the board of county commissioners that just focuses on Jackson Health System and that's the Public Health Trust. Excellent. But ultimately, the responsibility lies with the county. Perfect. Okay, so now let's turn over again to COVID-19 and let's talk about some of your local celebrities that have supported the Jackson Health Foundation so that in turn you can also help with the resources and the funding of Jackson Health System. Talk to us about some local celebrities. Sure. Well, we've been very fortunate to have tons of support from the community, whether it be through cash contributions or in-kind donations, which is things like meals and cards and uh, feel-good items to really help the frontline staff know that they're so appreciated by the community. But to name a few, we've had you know Gloria and Emilio Estefan, which always step up to the plate, um, as well as Udonis Haslam, right? A few of our favorite locals. Um, we've had the Miami Marlins assist. We've had the Miami Dolphins players. Excellent. Had, oh, a big shout out to uh, Jason Jenkins. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and we've had Camila Cabello and Sean Mendes show support. So we really have had a strong showing of local support, not only from a celebrity angle, but from the community angle as well. Many, many people, I call them unsung heroes because you wouldn't know their name, 
have really stepped up to the plate to make an impact at Jackson and with the frontline healthcare teams. And I've also noticed that there's so many people, like you had mentioned earlier, have donated what over 20,000 pieces of meat, of food, of meals. I mean, that's remarkable. You know, in the middle of COVID-19, where we find ourselves, you know, making all less money, cutting our restaurants to less than 50%, so on and so forth, we have to make sure that, you know, we have to make sure that we thank our restaurants. Absolutely. You know, that are helping, you know, over 20,000 meals. And, and again, I want to I wanna make sure that I emphasize that you and your team, you and Charmaine, and, and of course, Yolanda and the rest of your team, to raise almost $4 million in a time where there is really no money. <laughs> with us, when, when the federal government has to give us checks here because everybody about over 20 million people have lost their jobs. You have yet found a way with your team to raise almost $4 million. How did you do it? Well, it's a challenge for sure. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, now we're hit with two things happening at the same time. We have this pandemic and we have an economic crisis at the same time. So as a fundraiser, the word economic crisis is not something you ever want to hear because you know it's going to represent a challenge, but we are in a unique position because we are in the midst of this pandemic. You know, whereas perhaps someone who's helping to raise money for the arts or museums and things of that nature may struggle a lot more than we will right now. We really need these funds to make an immediate impact and to help save lives in this community. So we've been making that case to people as often as possible. We've had many people step up to the plate that are extremely generous. And as you said, many that they themselves have been hurt throughout this process. Many who have had not only family members, but have had businesses shut down, et cetera. And even all those restaurants that you talked about, you know, early on, we saw such an abundance of meals and meals coming when we had the first surge. And now we've seen less of that, but we know it's because restaurants have now been closed for a while, right? It's been a greater economic impact. So we can certainly understand. So when someone steps up to the plate now and offers something like that, it's so much more impactful and meaningful because we know the struggle that has taken place. But Absolutely. $4 million, I can tell you in the month of July alone, the hospital system is losing about 19, about 14 million, I apologize. Um, so it's significant. So $4 million helps, but we have a long way to go. But That's you're doing it. You're right. doing it. And I always say, when Jackson Health Foundation asks, you get. So, uh, you know, I want to pour upon some of the restaurants. I know that they're they're being shut down a little bit, but if they can spare any more food for Jackson Health Foundation and Jackson Health System, where can they call? Oh, they can call us at 305-585-GIVE is really the main number for the foundation for any questions. If you want to text a donation, you can text the word support to 41444, or you can visit our re-energized, kind of new and improved landing page on our website, which is togetherwearejackson.com, which is specifically to our efforts around COVID, and it will lead you back to our main website as well. Um, and we really try to afford everyone the opportunity. No gift is too small. You know, sometimes people think, you know, I'm only going to donate $10 or $5. That's not impactful. It is so impactful when many people can do that, right? Absolutely. At the same time, during this time, eyes are the larger gifts impactful. Every dollar is going to make a difference and it's going to be put to really great use. Of course. Well, let me take a few seconds to thank our advertisers and I'll get right back to you. So I want to begin with, of course, our Honorable Catherine Fernandez-Rundle, who's our Miami-Dade County State Attorney. She's up for re-election on August 18th. 
Kathy, I want to commend you for all the hard work and keeping the criminals away from us and keeping us all safe. Again, also, I want to give a special thanks and kudos to Daniela Levine Cava. Most of you know her. She's a commissioner with Miami-Dade County government. She is now running for a candidate as Miami-Dade County mayor for over 40 years. She's been helping the community in all aspects. So you, later on, you'll hear me say that we're having a special edition and we're going to be interviewing Daniela Levine Cava July 31st, which is this Friday, by the way, beginning at seven o'clock. Do not miss it. And of course, there is Jackson Health Foundation, Jackson Health System. Thank you so much for your support. Without you, we could not be here. Without all of our advertisers, we not could be here. Uh, you are the best academic medical system throughout our world. Everybody comes and sees you. You heard Flavio saying uh, earlier, viewers, that no matter what, if you don't have the funds, you will go to Jackson Health System and they will never shut the door on you. They will always be there for you. Jackson Health System, we love you. And of course, the Jose Milton Foundation. The Jose Milton Foundation is absolutely marvelous. Big shout out to Anna Vega Milton, the president and CEO of the foundation. We love you, Anna. As a matter of fact, I want to mention that because of you, Jackson Health Foundation and Jackson Health System is going to be enjoying in all the communities all around the world, all over Miami-Dade County. We're going to be enjoying your hospital that's up for construction, is being built, and hopefully soon it will be up Jackson Health Systems West, and it's going to be called the Jose Memorial Hospital. So well, Jose Milton Memorial Hospital. So we want to thank you for your research, for your impetus in education and in healthcare. Anna Vega Milton, we're looking forward to interviewing you on August 11th. Also, I want to uh, give a big shout out to Rachel Saposnik. Saposnik, uh, Saposnik Insurance, uh, obviously in the midst of the pandemic, outstanding employee benefits are key to the survival of your companies. So viewers, if any of you are corporations, go ahead and contact Saposnik Insurance. Joe Perkins, Joe Perkins is running for circuit court judge. Joe, we really appreciate you. Boston University grad, specialty in business and litigation. You're up for circuit court judge right now on August 18. We wish you the best of luck. And of course, moving along, we have uh, Elaine Maselli Vasquez, who is the president and CEO of Heredaldo de Broward. And we want to thank you, Elaine, because every year you honor 12 outstanding powerhouse Hispanic women of distinction. I want to thank you for honoring me, Kate Castellanos, Mercedes, and the list is endless, our judge, uh, Marina Garcia. Well, the list is endless. Every year you honor women. And of course, this year, because of COVID-19, we have to postpone your amazing luncheon to November 20th. So thank you for your support. Moving right along, Nicole Alvarez, law offices of Nicole Alvarez. She specializes in family law, immigration, self-defense, criminal defense. We really, really appreciate you. And if one of the viewers, if you're out there and you need a good attorney, definitely call Nicole Alvarez. She's there for you. And of course, we have United Home Care taking care of adults right in their homes. Why? Because it's great to be home. Another one is, of course, we have Mike Miraval, who's amazing. He's running for Miami-Dade County judge. He's a powerhouse member, and he's he travels all around the world. He's a local attorney. He's an international attorney. He's against domestic violence. He's for inclusion and diversity. Mike, we wish you the best of luck as Miami-Dade County judge when you're running August 18. And, of course, we have Survivor's Pathway, certainly not last or least. He's amazing, my friend, my powerhouse friend. And his name is Dr. Francesco Tubelli, 
who's the president and CEO of Survivors Pathway. Thank you, Francesco, for always taking care of human trafficking victims, whether sexual assault, domestic violence victims. Again, we want to thank all our advertisers for being here, for helping us, for supporting us, and for really helping this program be on the air with you. God bless you all. Flavia, let's talk a little bit about Miss Anna Vega Milton and uh, the fact that she is uh, funding uh, the, the Jose Milton Hospital coming up in, in, the, uh, in Doral. Talk to us about that. So certainly, we're so excited about that. You know, prior to COVID-19 and the pandemic, Jackson was in a large expansion phase, which a lot of the voters approved and wanted us to, you know, to, to be able to expand and to maintain and grow and have a healthcare system that meets the needs of the community. So part of that expansion is a new medical campus in Doral called Jackson West, a medical campus that will house the Jose Milton Memorial Hospital. And we're very excited about that. And if you drive by the Palmetto, you can't miss it. Um, it's a sight to be seen and it should open early next year, sometime between March and April, we anticipate that it'll open. And we're very excited about the possibility of bringing a hospital to Doral. You know, many of the citizens that live out there have to travel significantly to get health care. There isn't one. So being able, again, to continue the process of now adding Jackson West, we have Jackson South taking care of people, you know, on the South End. We have Jackson North. We have obviously Jackson Memorial in the main campus and now Jackson West. So um, we're excited about that opportunity. We also have, and the fact we're even more excited about the fact that the Milton family with their generous donation was really able to support and help make that come to fruition. Um, and we have other projects going on. We have a new rehab hospital that just opened kind of quietly while all of this wow. was happening. Where is so that going to be? That's on the main campus. Um, okay. and it's the Christine Lynn rehabilitation center. And it's a world-class facility for rehab, not only for patients that are dealing with paralysis, but for stroke and all the kind of rehab that's necessary. We have the Transplant Institute, which just celebrated its 50th anniversary. And this year uh, became the largest transplant program in the country, having conducted 747 transplants. Wow. More than any other center in the United States. Well, I and did say, and I keep, I'm sorry, go ahead. I did no. say, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And we have a new ICU tower, right? Don't we wish this was built in time for the pandemic, but it should open in December that will add approximately, I believe it's 80 additional ICU beds and that'll be attached to Jackson Memorial Hospital and it'll be a new state-of-the-art tower and we're excited to see that come to fruition and open in December. So lots of activity, lots going on. Um, we're, we're, we're dealing with it, all of it simultaneously. That's amazing. I wanted to say is that, yes, you guys are a world-class healthcare system. Praised and loved, admired and esteemed by all of us. Congratulations. I appreciate that. I know that we talked a little bit about how people can support. Is there any, any particular petition that you need? I mean, I know that for, you, know, you need funds for medical supplies, for PPE, for patient care. Is there anything you want to say to our viewers with regards to the support? Is there anything specific that I could say right now? Really, unfortunately, as you can imagine, COVID wasn't something that you were planning on. So none of the money that you spent was dollars that are budgeted per se, right? So right. all of it is, is new and it evolves and it changes. The needs change as we go through it. Science is happening right before our eyes, right? So yes. it evolves and the needs change. So personal protective equipment, um, medical supplies, 
supplies for the lab. We just added new pieces of equipment, PCR equipment for the laboratory, um, testing supplies, assistance with you know offsetting costs for personnel. Um, we're retrofitting what we thought was going to be temporarily. We were retrofitting areas of the hospital to help with infection control. We're going to make those permanent, so a lot of those changes will be able to keep moving forward which will be beneficial to control any type of infection. But really in the space of COVID, there's so much to do and to support. And some of the research that we're conducting with the University of Miami and other partners in trying to see what advances will look like with new vaccines and, and, and things of that nature. So lots going on. So really what we need are the funds. Funds, money. You can certainly direct your support, you know, anywhere that you like. I mean, whether it be Jackson, Maine, South or North, or even our children's hospital, right? Even Holtz is seeing some patients, some younger patients, right? That are battling COVID. And I know initially there was this misconception that it doesn't affect kids. Well, it can affect everyone. It doesn't affect them in as high as numbers as it does people that are older, but we certainly have on any given day about 14 or 15 patients in our children's hospital that are COVID positive. Wow. Unbelievable. I know earlier we were talking about the fact that you're really not letting uh, visitors go and rightfully so to Jackson Health System. But Jackson Health Foundation, you and your crew, Charmaine and Yolanda and the rest of your crew, you've been very creative. And I want you to share that. I want you to share that creativity, if you will, with all our viewers tonight and how you're making sure that the families that have COVID-19, so on and so forth, can actually communicate with their loved ones. Well, I mean, we saw the need right away that it was there and, and, and how do you kind of satisfy that need and what do you do? As you can imagine, as a patient and as a healthcare worker, being the only line of communication with the patient can be stressful all the way around. So modern technology is fantastic and here's one of the opportunities where we can take advantage of it. And the foundation was helping to supply iPads or tablets, if you will, to patients and to the different nursing units so that they could do the connection for families so families could see them, whether it be FaceTime or whatever other kind of you know, tools they're able to use. And you can arrange a specific time in order to be able to FaceTime with, your, with the individual. Not everyone is in a condition to have their own phone and be able to contact their family, particularly those patients in the ICU. Um, so being able as a family member to have that kind of satisfaction and that calm and that ease that you can actually physically see and not only hear what the doctor or the nurse is telling you, right. goes a long way, a very Thank long you. way. So, so that's, 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 so, that. that's so precious, Flavia. Thank you so much. What are your thoughts, Flavia, on, on your priorities when it comes to a funding for Jackson Health Foundation now and in the future? Well, I could tell you that five months ago, my priorities were completely different than they are right now. <laughs> Before I can COVID, right? Our priorities is how do we ensure that all of these new capital projects, right? All of the new facilities that I mentioned, um, we would be able to acquire the funding to ensure that not only the buildings were finished being built, but that they had all the right equipment and all the right staffing and all of those things and raising money for that. And that's still a top priority for us. But we have to deal with COVID and we have to be able to assist the hospital. The role of the foundation is to be the fundraising arm for the institution. So they need our help now more than ever. We need the help of the community now more than ever. And like, you know, Carlos has said this before and I'll kind of steal his words a little bit. 
Jackson has always been there for the community. We will continue to be there for the community, but we need the community to be there for us. We need them to not forget about their frontline healthcare workers, the doctors and the nurses that are saving lives every day, and we need the community to support us. Absolutely. So any any donation is not too small for sure. Please, Absolutely. my friends, I know there's thousands of you going to be watching and are watching right now. Please donate to Jackson Health Foundation. Well, Fabio, unfortunately, our time is running out. I want to thank you and your amazing team at Jackson Health Foundation for raising the necessary funds and the resources so that Jackson Health System can be and can continue to be the best academic medical system throughout our world. Congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. On that note, Flavia, is there a last minute message that perhaps you would like to leave? I know you've given us a lot of tips and you've spoken from your heart to all our viewers, but is there a last minute message that you would like to share with our viewers? I think now during this time, I would say the best way that you can help Jackson is wear your mask, socially distance and wash your hands so that we can keep the positivity rate down in the community and that the hospital will be there when you need it. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Flavia. God bless you. We love you. We love your entire team. We'll invite you back here to be on Amparicho Tournament. We're also going to invite your colleagues as well. Thank you. We love you. Thank you so much. We would love it. We love you as well. Thank you. Thank you. And to all our viewers, thank you so much for joining us tonight right here on Point of Rachel Tournament. Don't forget to subscribe to YouTube on Point of Rachel Tournament. And remember, Jackson Health Foundation needs your support. Jackson Health System, we are blessed that they're here, right here in Miami-Dade County, the best healthcare system throughout the world. God bless you. You heard Flavia say that we have to wash our hands, we have to wear a mask, and we have to, and we have to watch our distance. With that, we shall overcome, my friends. It doesn't matter what man says that this virus is going to be around for a long time. We can overcome that. We can beat this virus. But like Fabia said, each and every one of us has to do our part. God bless you. Stay healthy and stay safe. See you soon. Bye-bye for now. No, you're good. <laughs>